Welcome to The Body Nerd Show, empowering you with the super uncomplicated things you need to know about self-care and movement so that you too can wake up every day pain-free. I'm your host, Alexandra Ellis, and I'm a coach, writer, former yogi, kettlebell devotee, and 100% body nerd. So, are you ready? Let's get nerdy! Hey, hey, welcome back. You're listening to episode 17 of The Body Nerd Show. Today is uh, one of those episodes where we are going to get a little bit nerdy, but don't be worried. I'm here to help guide you and make this process as painless as possible. So on today's episode, we are going to talk about fascia, which is probably one of my most favorite things about the body because it's so kind of mysterious and just starting to be a little bit more well-known. So if you've ever heard of fascia or fascia, depending on who you ask, and you've wondered like, what is that? I'm going to answer that for you today. If you've ever wondered what connective tissue really is and if your big toe is truly connected to your neck, the answer is it is, well, this episode is for you. We'll talk about why you should care about this fascinating tissue, um, and there will be a lot of corny puns, and why you don't want to blast it or try to smash it into submission, but what you should do to keep it happy instead. So the reason why I'm talking about fascia is because it's like the up-and-coming, you know, pop-rising star of the movement world. For, I think it was even just last year, an article came out about this brand new tissue discovered in your body. And all that the researcher was talking about was fascia. And the whole media was just blown away about this fascinating new tissue. And meanwhile, all of those, all of us who have been studying fascia were just like, huh, that's cool. Check that out. Now it's on the mainstream news. So it's not that fascia is new. But our understanding of fascia is newer. There's actually a group that gets together every couple of years called the Fascia Research Congress, where a bunch of body nerds get into a room and try to hash out how collectively as a global group of fascia nerds, we are going to talk about it. And I say we because I'm totally a fashionista. I told you there was going to be a lot of puns uh, because when it comes to movement, You can't exclude your fascia. And when it comes to recovery, injury, rehabilitation, all of those things, you can't exclude your fascia. So it's awesome that it's coming into the limelight so that we can finally talk about this structure that for the longest time was just thrown away. If you pull out any old anatomy book or really any anatomical drawing from the last, you know, eternity, there's not a lot of discussion about fascia. One of my favorite anatomical books is Netter. And even in Netter, a majority of the fascia has been removed to expose the superstar, the muscles, which are cool and all, uh, but they wouldn't even exist without fascia. Now, this new understanding of fascia has also given birth to a new industry of products designed to blast and smash and change the overall look of your fascia. Now, I've already talked about how I feel about products on this show, so that's no uh, mystery there. But so many of these products, and there is one specifically I have in mind that if you are kind of in the know, you probably know, I'm not going to name it, but they prey on our insecurities about our bodies. 
and really prey on our insecurities about how our bodies look and how we can change it by blasting it. Um, and they even accompany it with these amazing before and after pictures that even had friends of mine. And I'm not going to lie. I thought that too. Huh? I wonder if this works. But the bigger question that we have to keep in mind um, is what is the long-term effect on the body? Because if there's anything, your body responds to slow changes more and definitely more permanently because fast changes are hardly ever permanent. They never stick and they are hardly ever without consequences. So with today's episode and a better understanding of what fascia is and how it works, my goal is for you to be able to go onward with this new confidence and knowledge of how your body works and how to make better decisions about what products you use. So let's dive in. So fascia, what the heck is it? First of all, it's Latin for band or bundle, and that's basically what it is. When anybody talks about connective tissue, whether they know it or not, they are talking about fascia. It is a bunch of different tissues, so there's different types of fascia, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit, but it connects muscles, tendons, bones, and ligaments to one another. So your muscles are encased in multiple layers of fascia, and muscles as we know it and the shape that they take on is because of the fascia. Even the six-pack is because of fascia. So whether or not you can see it is because of another fascia. It's so cool. It's really your body's internal scaffolding system. And you can think of it as the framework or biological fabric that holds your entire body together. And it is the scaffolding that your blood vessels, your nerves, and even other tissues use to hold you and make you look like you. And it covers literally every surface of your body from head to toe, inside to outside. There is fascia everywhere. So now you can get why I thought it was so funny when, you know, the news was like, oh my gosh, this new tissue. And it was just fascia with a new name. It's like new name, but literally same story. And I can understand where the confusion comes into play because fascia is a really big category and you can't really, you know, put one point down or one descriptor and that won't cover all types of fascia. It has a ton of variety. In some places, it's more like a web and in other places, it's really tough and more fibrous. But all in all, fascia is a connective tissue that connects and binds your body together. So the first type of fascia that I want you to know about is called superficial fascia. And this is the fluffy, fatty layer that's directly beneath your skin. When I teach group classes and I talk about, you know, the fluff or this, and as sometimes some of my students would be like, no, don't call it that. So we just called it superficial fascia because anatomically that's what it is. The layer directly beneath your skin, the fascia there is more like a web and within that web is where the fat cells are. And so you can't have the fascia without the fat. They are one in the same. And in some places, the fat cells are bigger and in other places, they're small and fine, right? Like the superficial fascia on your face is completely different from the superficial fascia on your butt. And I hope you're pinching these as you listen because I'm definitely pinching my fascia to help me describe it better. 
So there's nothing wrong with the superficial fascia. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Um, and you can't blast it into submission. You just can't. Now, another layer of fascia directly beneath that is called loose fascia. And I think part of the issue with fascia and why its PR has been so poor um, is because these names are really terrible. Like who wants loose fascia, right? But we all have it. Um, and it's what allows transition to happen. And so one thing you can do right now is if you grab a hold of the skin on your forearm and you try to slide it up and down, almost like you're trying to slide a glove off, that stopping point is because of the loose fascia. So without it, your skin would probably be in a heap down by your ankles, which would be just really, really, really odd. So loose fascia is also important. Then we have deep fascia, and this is a very important layer because it is the outermost surrounding of our muscle groups. And one of the most famous of fascias is your IT band, or that thick band of connective tissue on the outside of the thigh. Now, here's the interesting thing to note specifically about deep fascia, and that is that it does not stretch. They have done cadaver studies to see how much length they could create in the deep fascia. And what they found was it would only stretch about 3% of its length before it failed. So with that in mind, all of the IT band stretching that you think you're doing is probably not stretching your IT band in the same way. And the better question to ask is why is my IT band getting tight? Why is my IT band and the specific deep fascia trying to create stability where a muscle is supposed to be? So just file that away. Another famous deep fascia is the fascia on the bottom of your feet, the plantar fascia. So we know of these fascias. We also really, really know when they are inflamed, hence plantar fasciitis, right? That's the inflammation of the fascia. But they're all super, super important. The last type of fascia that's present in your body is called visceral fascia. So even your organs have their own connective tissue layer around them that helps them to slide and glide amongst one another. Now, it's important to know that you have fascia in all of these places because when fascia has too much movement or not enough movement, that can change the state of the tissue. So fascia is comprised of cells and fibers and this really cool goopy stuff called ground substance. And so it's wet and it's fibrous. And depending on the combination of those types of cells that are present in it is what will give you superficial fascia or deep fascia or loose fascia or visceral fascia. But all of fascia relies on movement to stay healthy. That's what helps to maintain the fluid levels in the fascia because if there's not enough movement, it dries out. And that's not that there's like crispy bits on your insides, uh, but what happens is that ground substance and the moisture inside of the fascia starts to get a little bit thicker. It starts to become a little bit almost like goopier rather than something where, you know, a lot of movement is happening and that moisture level is stays constant. So when there is not enough movement, not only does the connective tissue start to dry out, but also it starts to lay down some extra fibers to help it stay stable. 
So if you've ever heard of collagen fibers, there is collagen in your fascia and the amount of collagen changes what type of fascia you have. And every day your body is laying down collagen cross fibers. That's just something that happens. It builds them and it breaks them down. But movement is what prevents overgrowth. So if you have an area where you just haven't moved in a long time, your body has been throwing down those collagen fibers and now they're kind of stuck. And so while in healthy tissue, collagen fibers allow for stretch, if you have a ton of collagen cross fibers just like thrown in there, think of Spider-Man and when he shoots, um, I don't even know what they're called, so I'm sorry, but he shoots the spider web stuff at, uh, you know, the bad guy. Like that's kind of what happens when collagen cross fibers goes or cross fibering goes haywire. You have a blob of spider web that is going to decrease the movement when that all gets dehydrated right because it's kind of a cycle there's less movement happening it's already dehydrated well that continues to build more of that collagen cross-linking and now you have inflammation which is nobody's favorite thing because it hurts it doesn't feel good So one of the best things you can do for your fascia and the number one way to keep it happy is to keep moving, plain and simple, right? Keep moving. Now, on the flip side of that, you know, too much of a good thing is still not a good thing. What if we have something like a repetitive stress or repetitive injury that we are moving a lot in one direction again and again and again and again? This is often the case in fasciitis cases, sort of like plantar fasciitis, that it's the overuse and overloading of that plantar fascia without sufficient time for recovery that leads to the trauma. So your body, for whatever reason, and there's a number of reasons it could be, but let's just say, um, you know, the ankle is stiff and so the foot is loaded more. Okay. Well, in that case, now that plantar fascia is having to absorb more of the force of you walking. And force meaning just, you know, the weight of your body and gravity and the type of material you're walking on. So one time, fine. But when you're walking, that's a ton of steps. Like I tend to get about 10,000 steps a day. So that's 10,000 repetitions a day that my foot is hitting the ground, that my plantar fascia is having a little bit of stretch and supposed to be recoiling. So if that's happening and the plantar fascia and the foot is not getting the amount of support it needs from the surrounding tissues, well, then it just gets these little tiny micro tears which in a normal situation, no problem. Your body takes care of it. It lays down the collagen it needs and all is well. But what if there's, you know, systemic inflammation happening in the body? Uh, What if there is just not sufficient time to repair the injury or repair the trauma that's happened overnight? Let's say you went out and ran a half marathon, which I did one time. And I can tell you my feet were messed up after that. So ensuring that you have not only ample rest time, especially for your feet, but just in general, ample rest time on a tissue so that it can recover fully before the next round. So if we go back to this idea of blasting your fascia, doing it every day is not giving the tissue the chance it needs to fully recover. 
So sure, it might look different because there might be some inflammation happening. There might be a little bit of swelling from that tissue damage. And so what before looked like the skin had some texture, maybe now it looks more smooth and, you know, supple. But that could be because the fascia is injured and it's trying to recover. And when you do that again and again and again and again, that is possibly going to put you into that re-injury or repetitive stress type situation. And really the question that I have not yet seen answered because there simply hasn't been enough time is what is the long-term effect of continually injuring the tissue? What will be the effect 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now? Are we going to be saying like, oh, wow, my connective tissue is totally saggy now. I wish I hadn't put it through that much stress when I was younger. Who knows? Honestly, who knows? Because they haven't really done any research on that. But I can just tell you in general, because of what I know about the body and how it works, slow is always going to serve you better. It just keeps everything happier. Nothing in your body happens quickly. I mean, even just take this is just what popped in my mind. But, you know, waxing, for example, we do hair removal quick. And what happens? There's red, there's inflammation. It's really not a fun thing. So the same goes for the rest of your body. Take it slow. Be satisfied. You have to be satisfied with this slow and gradual change, knowing that that is what will keep the change permanent. Anything that happens quickly, there's going to be some consequences from it because that's just how your body works. Your body wants to keep everything the same all the time, homeostasis. And so keeping it the same means that we just make our change one step at a time, one step at a time. So what can you do to keep your fascia happy? I hope I haven't been too much of a bummer and you are just like, oh no, my fascia is ruined. It's not ruined. The number one way, and I've already mentioned this, to keep your fascia happy is to make movement happen, specifically in places where it might not be happening. So this is why massage and specifically body work and self-massage are so great because you can introduce movement where it might not be happening organically. Also, it allows you to introduce movement into your body in a way that's the opposite of what you're doing all day. So even right now, I've been at my desk for a couple hours today, um, and the front of my shoulders are feeling kind of cranky. And so getting in and doing some body work to just reset my body, that's what's going to help to restore the hydration of everything. That'll help those collagen fibers to not go crazy overgrown. It just helps to keep that homeostasis at a place that is more comfortable for my body. And so if your posture is super rounded, you're not going to be able to be standing up completely straight by tomorrow. But it's the consistent and gradual effort and showing up on a daily basis that will make the change the most and set you on the path to have a habit and daily practice where that is the norm. So hate to break it to you, there's no quick fix, but I think you knew that already. So another way to keep your fascia happy is to stay hydrated. I've been playing around uh, just a couple of days now with adding chia seed to my water with the idea that the chia seed can absorb some more of the water so that it doesn't pass through my system as quickly. And I'm actually really liking what I'm finding. It's almost easier to get hydrated with just a tablespoon of chia seed into like 16 ounces of water. So if you have any super cool hydration hacks, 
send them my way and I'll be sure to share them on a future episode because I think we all could, you know, have some more hydration hacks because sometimes drinking water, it gets boring. I know. So the next way to keep your fascia happy, which is kind of a tongue twister, surprisingly, uh, but is to experience a ton of variability in your movement. Variety is the key to happy fascia. So making sure that you're not doing the same thing five days a week. So what else can you do? So for me, I do body work on pretty much a regular basis, but I don't roll the same place every single day. I'm always trying to roll something different. Now, walking for me is the one consistent thing, but your body was designed to walk, so that's totally fine. But if you're doing yoga five days a week or Pilates five days a week or CrossFit five days a week, whatever it is, what else can you do to bring variability into your movement? That really is the key to having a body that is strong and really more flexible and to have tissues that are happy and healthy Variability is key. I keep tripping over my words today, um, and this is going to be a fun episode to edit all of them out. (laughs) So the last thing is loads. So carrying things that are heavier than your body weight. Your fascia, and honestly, most of the cells in your body rely on external loads to get stronger. So yeah, there's a ton you can do just body weight, but if you really want to get stronger, and I'm not talking about getting bulkier, like becoming the next Mrs. Olympia or Mr. Olympia, really just being strong enough to move your body through space comfortably, carrying things that are heavier than body weight are going to be key because you're doing it anyways, right? When you carry your groceries up the stairs, you're carrying, it's not necessarily more than body weight, but you are carrying an external force. I can carry myself up the stairs or I can carry myself up the stairs with a case of water. The case of water is going to help challenge and strengthen my connective tissues way more than just carrying myself. So just like that, that's one way I love to do it, which is to go into the grocery store without a cart or sometimes that handheld basket. And then changing the way I carry the basket, maybe in front of me, maybe on one arm, maybe on the other arm, because remember, variability is key. So making sure that you're not just carrying stuff the same way every single time. And maybe you carry your own bags instead of letting someone else carry it. But don't do that all the time because that's just too much work. So this is not to say that you have to carry all your own groceries all the time. All I'm encouraging you to do is to look out into your day-to-day life and how can you carry things in a way that adds that little extra bit of strength training to your day-to-day so that your fascia can be happy and healthy and carry you through for another 10,000 miles. Whew. That's a lot about fascia. And there's something about saying fascia happy that had me tripping over my words. Um, So hopefully you have greater success in sharing this episode with a friend or fellow body nerd and not tripping over the word fascia and happy and healthy and tissues. I don't know what my deal is. So here's to asking better questions, moving more and getting nerdy. We definitely got nerdy today. So I think we should leave it at that. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you never miss a future episode. You can even head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. It really helps other body nerds find the show. 
Come find me on Instagram. I'm at Hala and I love the IG stories. So tag me and let me know what your favorite part was. I love seeing you body nerds being nerdy out there in the world and help me spread the word that your body is super cool and you too can change the unchangeable. There is never a time where you are too old or too far down any path to make some change. So let's do it. And I'll talk to you next week. Life without pain is possible. And if you're ready to break up with all the things that are only giving you temporary relief, I've got just the thing. Head on over to bodynerdshow.com to download a checklist with nine simple things to soothe yourself when you're in pain. It doesn't have to be complicated and it won't take you more than 15 minutes a day. 